Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Wednesday, November the 9th, 2022. It is currently 4.34 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And I'll be leaving this studio in about two hours to head to Victory Baptist Church located in Ovalo, Texas. That's about 20 minutes south of me. And then from there, we'll be talking about the proper distinction between law and gospel. One of the most important series that I have done in a very, 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 very long time. I don't think I've ever said a series I have done is important, but I think the proper distinction between law and gospel may be one of the most essential theological and doctrinal concepts uh, for the body of Christ in 2022. I, I, I really do believe that. So please go back and listen to the entire series. The entire series, the easiest way to find it is download the Church One app. Go to the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store. Look for Church O-N-E. That's Church One. Run it all together. Church O-N-E. Once you download the app, do a quick search for Theology Central. Choose us as your broadcaster of choice. That will basically turn the app into the Theology Central app. Look at series, find the series on understanding law and gospel, and start with part one and listen to everything and email me all your questions, struggles, confusion, and doubt. Even if you end the series and you 1,000% disagree with me, that's perfectly okay as long as hopefully it helps in some way, shape, or form give you a better understanding of law and gospel. Even if you want to continue to merge them, even if you don't believe that merging them destroys the gospel, then by all means, at least, at least maybe you'll better understand the two concepts. I, I don't know why. I just want people to understand. And so that's what we'll be doing tonight at 7 p.m. In the meantime, it's been a, it's been a frustrating week. It's been a frustrating week. I, I can't believe it's, it's already Wednesday. This is one of those weeks that I would like to remove from the pages of history because I, I I feel like I've accomplished very little, and it's been very frustrating here broadcasting. Um, one, we had internet problems, which prohibited me from broadcasting when I wanted to. And then once I got back to broadcasting, I just don't feel like I've done a good job with anything. I think I messed up the today's focus episode this morning, then I'm still trying to figure out the curse of Jeconiah, and I, and I feel like that I'm just making that more and more confusing per episode. So that is frustrating. And, but at the same time, what has even really been bothering me more and more is we have this very, 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 very important series that we're working on. This very important series that we're working on. Now, I haven't created uh, the series. It, it's the, uh, the series for the Church One app, the sermons are there, but I haven't placed them into a series, and I will do that as soon as possible. But we've been talking about women, submission, and, abu- and abuse. Women, submission, and abuse. Now, that's a, that's a serious topic. That's one that's hard to talk about. It's unpleasant. Um, the, the last episode did not generate much uh, conversation, which is concerning, because I think either I, I, a lot of people disagree or I can understand some may not want to actually talk about the topic at, at all, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping someone will at least say, well, either I agree, 
I don't want to talk about it or I disagree and I don't want to talk about it. I, I hope, I hope it was helpful, but here's what's going on. Let me try to explain how we ended up in this series. October the 27th, 2022, a news article was published. Exclusive. Woman says John MacArthur's church taught her to stay with abusive husband. Now, this is a different report than the one that dropped earlier. Um, I, I, yeah, I believe it was this year. I mean, I do so many broadcasts, it's hard to keep up all the timeline. But where a, a woman ended up being excommunicated from Grace Community Church because she refused to go back to her abusive husband, even though her abusive husband ended up going to prison for sexually molesting her children. They, they never lifted her excommunication, and they seemed to throw still some support to the husband who was in prison, who was found guilty for abuse. So it, that, 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 that story was crazy. But the whole reason we started talking about this is not so that we could talk about Grace Community Church or John MacArthur. To me, that's secondary. We have a deeper issue within the evangelical world, and that is the idea of women being abused in their marriages, physically, sexually, and yet they're told to submit. And how do we, under, what, 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 what does a woman throw out the concept of submission? What is the correct understanding of submission? And, and, and another reason we actually decided to talk about this is I received an article from a, uh, a woman asking about submission. Now I've taken a long, I haven't gotten to her email yet, and we will, but I decided to approach this in a very, I, I think, a unique way. Because one, I didn't want to just turn this on and have a criticism time about MacArthur or their teaching or, or get into a whole discussion about that. I just wanted to step back and look at the issue, I thought, from a kind of a different perspective. So here's how I started. All right, There's marriage. So if you look down the road, there's marriage. Now, whatever happens in marriage, abuse, submission, all of that, before we get there, I think there's things that lead to problems in marriage for many Christian women. And it starts with the whole concept of over-spiritualizing who you marry. Because for many Christians in the evangelical world, it says that God has one person out there for you. One person. You better find that person. And when you find that person, you listen, you get feelings, an inner voice, you do something, and that is God's will. God's will is I marry that person. Now, that sounds very romantic. It sounds very spiritual, but it sets a trap. Because if you tell everyone, God told me that's who I'm supposed to marry, it is God's will, then you end up in a marriage where you're being raped, or you're being physically abused, or horrible, horrible things are happening. What do you do? God told you to marry that person. How do you say now, I, I, I've got to get out of this. I've got to get a divorce. I, no, you you stood in front of everyone and told everyone, this is God's will. I'll get those, I'll get the the, the marriage uh, invitations, wedding invitations that will say, the, the, this couple believes it is God's will. Based off what? Some inner voice, some extra biblical revelation. So the Bible just tells us, hey, here's who you can marry, a fellow believer. Who can you not marry? Someone who's not a believer. So you can say God's will is for you to marry a believer. So if I'm marrying a believer, I like to say it this way. You're marrying in God's will. Not that God has given you some extra biblical revelation or something to say, this is the person. 
No. Uh, so I, I, I think we've over-spiritualized that, which creates a prison that some people don't know what to do when they find themselves in because they've told everyone that God told me that's who I'm supposed to marry. Well, if God told you that's the person you're supposed to marry and then they're raping you, what are you supposed to say? It's no longer God's will? Right? See, you, you run into some serious issues here, right? So I, I want to destroy and break down and burn down the over-spiritualizing of it all. Second, the wedding vows. When you make a vow, God takes the vow seriously, it appears, from a biblical perspective. When you make a vow, God expects you to keep it. He holds you to it. So when you give the traditional wedding vows and you say something like, I promise to, the wife says, I promise to obey you and that I promise to till death do us part. And you don't even put place an exception, an exemption. You don't say, I promise to be married to you unless you prove yourself unfaithful. You, no, no, we don't speak any of those words. We make a definitive vow before God and others saying till death do us part. We don't say only till death do us part if you do this or this or this or this or this. So on one hand, you make a vow. It's quickly easy that that vow is thrown out as soon as things go wrong or you feel trapped because you made the vow. I think we should throw away the vows. I think marriage vows should be burned. You said, what should, what should you say? Let your yes be yes and let your no be no because any more than that is sin. So how should it work? Do you take this to be your husband? Yes. Do you take her to be your wife? Yes. The end. You say, that's not very romantic. I know, but it's much more accurate than making a vow that in the back of your mind, you've already got exceptions to and an exemption clause. Oh, well, I said until death do us part, but I meant only if you do the A, B, C, D, and E, but if you don't do this, then I can get a divorce. Then put that in the vow. I promise to be married to you till, uh, until death, except for the following four conditions. You say, that's ridiculous. No, it's not. You're supposedly making a vow before God. Or are you making a vow for your Instagram? Are you making a vow for your TikTok? Are you making a vow because you want it to be romantic? You're making a vow before God, then you better let your words be very, 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 very precise. So I think this creates a trap. Then we talked a very uncomfortable subject. Now that you've figured out how to, you know, not over-spiritualize getting married, you've you've got vows that, you well, you've thrown out vows. You've let your yes be yes or your no be no. Now you're married. Now you enter into the sexual relationship. And how does that work according to scripture? Well, we talked about that. We're not going to review all of that. Because that's that, that's that's a that's a difficult subject and it raises lots of questions, but it's very uh, again connected to women abuse and submission because some women believe that they have to submit to sex, even if they don't want to. Basically, they have to just submit to basically being raped because they're not really given consent. They're not, not may not necessarily be saying no, but they don't want to be doing it. But they feel they have no choice, and they would say based off scripture. And that's from 1 Corinthians, and we talked about that and all of the issues. Now, what we're getting ready to now move into a discussion about submission within marriage. What does submission mean? What does it not mean? What are the different ways of looking at it? I am going to bring in the email that I received in regards to some of the questions about submission. 
But I don't even know how I found this. I stumbled upon John Piper answering a question about women and submission and abuse. Now, supposedly, he clarified these statements later on, supposedly. I'm not really worried about what Piper believes or doesn't believe because this is not an expose on Piper. But I just want you to hear how maybe some within the evangelical world may think in regards to this subject. I haven't listened to it because I don't do that. I want us to just listen and react to it. That's all we're going to do in this episode. We're just going to start slowly transitioning into a discussion about submission. And we're going to probably start in a place when we finally get there that most don't start. But we really need to answer. I think there's a question we have to answer before we get to the verse that says, Wives, submit yourselves to the husband as, uh, uh, to your husband as unto the Lord. There's a verse that comes before that that always gets left out of the discussion. And we'll have to figure out exactly what that looks like. All right, but let's listen to what Piper had to say. It, well, we're just going to listen to it, and then I'll be interrupting, and we'll analyze it, we'll critique it, and we'll let this begin to kind of transitioning us into the submission discussion in, f- in future episodes. Are you ready? Here we go. I don't even know what year this was. Um, again, I don't even know how I stumbled upon it, but I stumbled upon it, immediately saved it, and hopefully this will add something to our conversation. Here we go. What should a wife's submission to her husband look like if he's an abuser? All right, here we go. We're starting off with a doozy, right? Here we go. What should a woman's submission look like if she's married to an abuser? Now, this fits perfectly with our series, Women Abuse Submission. So this has got everything. We have women, we have have a woman, we have abuse, and we have the question of submission. This fits everything that we've been trying to talk about. So I thought that would be very, this would be very fitting for this series. And hopefully we, we're going to get somewhere with this. Here we go. <laughs> oh my. Part of that answer is clearly going to depend on what kind of abuse we're dealing with here. How serious this is. Is her life in danger? Um, or is this verbal unkindness. I'm not sure what the person who asked the question had in mind, so let me just talk about maybe different kinds. Um, A woman's submission to her husband is rooted in the Word of God, calling her to be, for the Lord's sake, for the Lord's sake, submissive to him, which means she always has a higher allegiance, namely to Christ, And therefore, Christ's word governs her life. And Christ has many words besides be submissive. Be submissive is not an absolute because her Lord has other things to tell her so that if the husband tells her something that contradicts what the Lord tells her, then she's got a crisis there of to whom do I submit now? And clearly, she submits to Jesus above the Lord. I mean, above above her husband. And the reason she's submitting to her husband is is because of her prior superior submission to the Lord. So, okay, so he's laying out the fact that the woman's submission is rooted in her submission to God. So her, her first allegiance is to God, then the husband. So if the husband asks her to do something against God's word, her first allegiance is still to 
God. All right. I, I, I see how this goes. Uh, okay, let's, all right, I think I'm following. Uh, um, no, let's, let's see where this goes. If this man, for example, is calling her to engage in abusive acts willingly, group sex or something really weird, bizarre, harmful, that clearly would be sin, then the way she submits, and I really think this is possible, it's kind of paradoxical, She's not going to go there. I'm saying, no, she's not going to do what Jesus would disapprove, even though the husband is asking her to do it. She's going to say, however, something like, honey, I, I want so much to follow you. As okay, okay. I'm trying to picture this scene. Honey, uh, I, you, you're supposed to be submissive. I want us to have group sex with... This couple, this couple, this couple, whatever the case may be. Honey, you know that I really, really want to follow you. Okay. I, 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 that, I, it's, it's a little bit absurd that that's the way it would go. To, that's the way it would go. I don't think that's the way the conversation would go. But what he's trying to say is that even in a crazy situation like that, she's still supposed to respond in a submissive way. We got to back that up. I'm trying not to laugh. It's just hard. It's hard to hear that and think that that's how a conversation would actually go. All right, here we go. Let's listen to this again. And the volume is doing weird things in their recording, but uh, I'm going to just try to uh, turn it up a little bit more, hopefully. And there's some little weird static going on. That's not on us. That's on the recording. All right, here we go. Even though the husband is asking her to do it, she's going to say, however, something like, honey, I, I want so much to follow you as my leader. And God calls me to do that, and I would love to do that. It would be sweet to me if I could enjoy your leadership. <laughs> that just sounds weird. I would love to do that. I would love, it would be so sweet to follow your leadership into group sex. I mean, like he, that, I mean, that's the illustration he used. Okay. So it says, this is hard. This is hard to follow. This is hard to follow. Okay. This, this would be wonderful and great. However, uh, okay. Yeah, I think, I, I think someone just said, I think you just ducked the sharp objects being hurled after demanding such. I know it, this is, it's just weird. He pulled that out as his illustration. Like, okay. So, because the question is about abuse and it comes out, well, if your husband asks for something weird, like he doesn't go to an abusive situation. He goes to just an absolutely absurd request. Right. And it's like, and then she's supposed to say, oh, honey, I would love to follow you. It would be so sweet to follow your leadership. Okay. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying to follow this. All right. We're going to go back a little bit. We're going to go back. Man, you never know. I'm telling you, you never know what you're going to. This probably was sent to me in an email. Okay. I just, I never know. When I open my email every day, I'm like, what am I going to find today? All right, here we go. God calls me to do that. And I would love to do that. It would be sweet to me if I could enjoy your leadership. And so then she would say, but if you ask me to do this, require this of me, then I can't, I can't go there. Now that's one kind of situation. Just, just a word on the, on the other kind. If, if it's not requiring her to sin, but simply hurting her, then I think she endures 
verbal abuse for a season and she endures perhaps being smacked one night and then she seeks help from the church. I mean, every time I deal with somebody and Oh boy. So she she endures abuse. I I now seeking going to the church for help. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Okay. All right. Yeah, I know, I know. He he so if she if she smacked, but he, he seemed to be trying to to like just one time, just one time. That's what he seems to be saying. Yeah, that that that's I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Everyone, everyone's like going with the the same thing. I'm trying, I'm trying to process this. I'm trying to process this because this is this is common. Um, this is more common than people would probably care to admit. That there is a teaching in the church that basically says that the woman's being abused, she has to endure. Remember, we listened and we reviewed the audio. I think it was being taught. I'm not going to say which school. It was being taught at a seminary, Bible college, that basically says a woman, a missionary on the mission field would endure abuse. So a married woman who's a Christian should endure abuse within the marriage. Uh, and we and remember, we were like, what in the world? Oh, boy. I, I I guess I have I have no problem with them going to the church for help if the church is actually going to help. Here, here's what I would say. If you go to the church for help and the church is first very and, I, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna be very blunt here. If the church's very first words are we're gonna have someone go to your house with you, you're going to gather your belongings, you're gonna gather your children. And we are going to put you up in a nice hotel for the next three weeks, a month, whatever it costs. We're gonna make we're gonna make sure you have food. We're gonna make sure that you're completely taken care of for at least a month. And then we will then move to intervene in this. But the first thing we're going to do is get you to safety. And then we will look at the situation and see what can be fixed. If that's not the first thought if that if the church doesn't say that first then you need to get out of that church all right because they should seek your protection because that has nothing to do with the argument about divorce or any it, we're not even talking about divorce it's just no there's been physical abuse let's get you out we'll protect you and then we'll see what can be done now i will i mean obviously if it's sexual abuse the first thought is we have to contact the cops. And even if it's physical abuse, there should be consideration, obviously, of that. I mean, that going to the cops. But I'm just saying the very first thing, get them out of the situation. Just get them out of the situation. Because the cops may come and investigate and maybe they can do something. Maybe they can't do anything. Because you hear all of those times of the situations where uh, a woman has called the cops three, four, five times, still in the abusive situation and ends up dead. We've, we've, we've heard of those situations. I'm saying the church can immediately intervene and say, we're going to get you out of this. We're going to get you out of this immediately. All right? Immediately. All right. And then the church can, I mean, and if need be, then you, you can seek a restraining order, whatever you have to do, depending on uh, the situation. So that, that should be the first thought. All right. Okay. <laughs> Someone just said smack him and see what he would do. That's a, that's a very good question. That's a very, like, what would he do? 
that, that's, that's a good question. That's, that's, that's a good statement. All right, so the, the church has to protect. That's first and foremost. I think every, I would think everyone would be able to agree with that. I would think, I would think, I would think, all right? I'm going to, I'm going to lower the volume here. We've got lots, we have lots of comments coming in. I love that. Sometimes there's no comments. Sometimes there, there are a lot, and I like that. So here we go. All right, good. Uh, yes, someone just asked, "Was is this Piper? Yes, this is John Piper, right? From his like Q&A little thing that he does, right? And again, I don't know who, how I got this audio, but I, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, I'm curious. So he's basically told her, deal with it, but go to the church. Now I'm, I'm going to be curious if he outlines what the church is supposed to do here. So that, that's, that's my next question is, what is he going to tell the church? What, is he going to outline what the church is supposed to do? All right, here we go. Here we go. Every time I deal with somebody in this, I find the ultimate solution under God in the church. Okay, I'm going to back this up. The ultimate solution is under God in the church? Oh, boy, 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 boy. I don't know if the ultimate solution is the church. I really don't. I mean, and I'm, I'm a strong believer in the, church, in the local church. But man, sometimes you got to get the authorities involved, right? I mean, correct? Okay. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what happened? Isn't that how everything went so horribly wrong with many of the sexual abuse cases of children? Is the church thought we'll handle it in-house and not go to the authorities, right? On the other kind, if, if it's not requiring her to sin, but simply hurting her, then I think she endures verbal abuse, for a season and she endures perhaps being smacked one night and then she seeks help from the church. I mean, every time I deal with somebody in this, I find the ultimate solution under God in the church. In other words, this man should be disciplined. This man should be disciplined. She should have a safe place in a body of Christ where she goes and then the people in the church deal with him. She can't deal with him by herself. So, See, that he doesn't say anything about getting her out of the situation. Like, who cares if the church is safe? Her home has to be safe. Where she's living has to be safe. Who cares if the church is safe? Yeah, he's not going to smack her in the church, okay? But she lives with him Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and only in church possibly a couple of hours a week, okay? So the key is, is it safe? The church has to provide safety at for her, a place to live, right? It, that... To me, the reason I run to that, others may be thinking, no, you should be doing this. The reason I run to that is just because that that's just an easy, quick, immediate, okay, let's get you out of the situation. We're going to make sure you're safe, all right? Yeah, so she, uh, yeah, all uh, right. Uh, so she goes to the church and is he going to uh, wreak havoc when they get home? Very a good, uh, right, exactly. And that's, that's why sometimes I'm hesitant about the cop thing because I've watched it happen where the woman calls the cops, the cops leave, and then her life becomes a living hell for the next month, right? So in this particular case, what has to happen is to get her out of the situation. That's the first thought. Then, then before the church even lets him know, you get her out. Once she's out, then the church says, okay, buddy, we got to talk. We, we've got to talk. We, we, what is going on here? What is happening here? Okay, something's not right here. We, we got to do something. We got to do something. 
And, and I don't think, and, to, and, then, and then after you get out of the situation, if you're going to start dealing with him, it's not about marital counseling at that point. It's about counseling him about the physical abuse, whatever it needs to be. And then depending how bad the physical abuse turns out to be, I mean, then you may, you, you, I think you're required to take legal steps at that point. The short answer, I think, is the church is really crucial here to step in, be her strength, say to this man, you can't do this. You cannot do this. That's not what we allow. That's not what Christ calls you to be. So I can't go into all the details, but I would say, I hope, I would say to a woman, come to a church that you feel safe in, tell them the case, let the leaders step in and help you navigate the difficulties here. See, not a, I, I don't have time. If you don't have time, then don't answer the question. I'm so sick and tired uh, of that in the church. We don't have time to cover that. You have all the time in the world. Let me help you. Hey, Piper, let me explain. You can buy about a $500 laptop, $130 microphone, and you can talk about it all night, all day, all week. Okay, so man, I, I get so tired of the excuses. I, I can't go into it right now. You can go into it as long as you want. So what do you, what he said is I, I got no problem wanting the church to be involved in it, okay, from a spiritual standpoint. I got no problem with that. But the point is, you didn't say a word about the church. You just told the church to tell him, you don't do that anymore. Well, you know, the church has been telling people not to do things for, I don't know, 2,000 years, and we still do the things the church tells us not to do. So I don't know how that's supposed to fix the problem, all right? The woman needs to be removed from the situation immediately and and what drives me nuts, it's typically the big churches who have the money. They've got the money to put the woman. They they can they could they could get her a rental property. They could get her a rental house for for six months, they, for a year, whatever it would be need be. But no 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 no. It's always like okay, we'll we'll talk to the husband. We'll discipline the what? Even if you excommunicate the husband, she's still got to live with him. <laughs> what if you go to the husband? He's like, back off. I'm going to do what I want. I'm leaving this church. Oh wow, you fixed that problem. She's still going to go home with the guy, right? You do realize your discipline, the worst you can do is naughty, 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 naughty. Now we're going to excommunicate you. So now you can't take the Lord's Supper. <laughs> but, whoa, he's a, he's a, if he's abusing his wife, like in a serious way, I don't know if that's going to make him go, oh, I'm going to stop. I'm, I don't want to be excommunicated. I don't, I, I think maybe he would just say, back off, none of your business, my marriage, leave me alone. And then she goes walking back into the front door. No, 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 you got you to get her out of the situation. That's number one. You got to get her out of the situation. You got to get her out of the situation. And let me make it very clear. Submission doesn't mean staying in a situation where you're being abused. You can be submissive and protect yourself, right? I mean, it's just so, it, Christians are weird on this. Christians are weird on this, right? And just let me explain. Christians, most Christians believe that if obviously someone breaks into their house and they have a gun, they can shoot them. They can kill them in self-defense. They can protect themselves. 
But then sometimes when it comes to a woman being abused, they're like, well, you know, she needs to submit in the abuse. Well, why don't you submit to the abuse when someone breaks into your house? Now, I understand you say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about me submitting to someone who breaks into the house. But the point is, I don't believe submission requires you to suffer in the situation. I believe it can, it can, it can clearly allow that there can be submission and yet find a way to protect yourself. I don't. I just don't think it's like this mutually. Like this is the way it works. If you're submissive, you'll sit around. And and uh, so what if it's two smacks? What if it's three smacks? What if it's ten smacks? What if it's every other day? What if it's every day but Sunday? What if it's only on Sunday nights? I mean, like like how do you work that? Like he he just seemed to. Someone emailed him about abuse and the best he could give. Well, if your husband asks you for group sex, just say, honey, I would like to do that, but I can't. And then he then only spoke of abuse in the most, the smallest way possible, verbal and one smack. He didn't, he didn't address, well, what do you do if it's serious abuse? He didn't, he didn't even mention calling the, he didn't even talk about calling the authorities. You have to acknowledge that the authorities is a very, 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 very proper proper approach. And, and he didn't even talk about sexual abuse. Obviously, sexual abuse, clearly the authorities have to be involved. And depending on how bad the physical abuse is, clearly that may, well, the, still again, the first step is still the church getting her out of the situation. I, I Here's what I will say. And I think this is a very important principle. This is a very important principle. The Bible, and I got to be very careful how I say this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up sounding like a heretic. I'm going to end up sounding like a heretic, and I don't want to sound like a heretic. I don't want to sound like a heretic. Taking a drink of water. When the Bible gives commands, when the Bible gives the law, the law is very black and white. Submit. Love abstain, don't do this, don't do that. It's very, it's almost like the, the law does wears a blindfold. It doesn't see the gray, the complexities, the difficulties, the, the unintended consequences. It's just very black and white. This is right. This is wrong. Okay. And that's the way law always is. It doesn't take into account, well, what about this? And what about this? And a lot of times Christians ask those, what about this? And what about that kind of question? And sometimes there's no easy answer because the Bible, the law is just very rigid and very like, this is what it means. So then we come along and go, well, it can't mean this and it can't. And then we start coming up with all of our exceptions and exemptions to to get around it. Here's what I like to say. The scriptures are very rigid, very dogmatic, very black and white. Whenever sin enters into a situation, whenever sin enters into a situation, it always, it, it adds a complexity and it messes everything up where the Bible doesn't necessarily say, okay, the Bible's good at telling you not to do something. It doesn't necessarily always, it doesn't give you the steps what is to be done after the fact. So we come in and try to fill in the blanks. For example, if you look at the, requ- the, the requirements, if you go to first is it first Timothy? Yeah. First Timothy chapter three. If you look at the qualifications of a pastor, right? Okay. 
There's some things that there are some things that are not even mentioned there. That's that if someone was to do one of those things, even though it's not actually mentioned in the text, they would say they're disqualified forever. The passage the passage simply says, here's the qualifications. It doesn't say, so what do you do if you fail one of these qualifications, right? I mean, uh, um, a bishop must be blameless. Blameless? So then we're like, well, blameless means, it doesn't mean perfect. It just means, and so then we try to find a way to get around it. The husband of one wife. Some say that means you have to be married. Well, what if your wife dies? Well, some say, well, then it no longer, it no longer goes into effect. See, whenever something happens, the law just the law just sits there staring and it doesn't blink right it it doesn't go oh wait okay wait here's what you do now it doesn't so so many times someone could do something in 1 Timothy 3 and they're like you're disqualified does it mean you're disqualified forever does it mean is there any forgiveness or is there any restoration some people say no one you get one shot and if you mess up you're finished for life okay i understand i understand that but, but then you've got situations, well, wait a minute, how does that, how does that work? How, the, the, because the text doesn't say what to do when one of these are broken. It doesn't give us that example. I, I, I talked about my first, uh, not my first Bible Institute, my second or third Bible school that I attended. I'll never forget the pastor was basically like, hey, what the Bible says about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, just rip it out of your Bible. Just rip it out of your Bible. Because you're never, you're never going to put that into effect in your church. You won't. Because you'll destroy, you won't have a church. Because if we go what appears to be the biblical idea that you're married, you can never get divorced. If you do get divorced, you can never get remarried. Well, you would wipe out a good portion of your church because look at how many people in every church have been divorced and remarried. Well, the Bible seems to indicate that those who are remarried are committing adultery. Guess what? They don't get in trouble for anything. It's weird. You can have two people sitting in your church who got divorced, even if you believe in an exempt, the exception clause. Like, well, there's biblical grounds for the divorce. Even if you believe the Bible allows for the divorce, you have a good chance you have people in your church whose their divorce did not meet that requirement. And even if it met the requirement, does the Bible allow for remarriage? Many people would say it doesn't allow for remarriage. All right, so, okay, so this is, this is true in every church. I've talked about this so many times, just to show you, all right? So the Bible seems to have this very rigid, here's the way it is. Well, you always now have the reality where everything is blown up by sin. So in every church, this is so true. You have those who are married, got divorced, and got remarried. So under a biblical definition, many of them are committing adultery every time they are together. They are living in perpetual adultery. The Catholic Church would say they must abstain from sexual relations. They can't engage, they have to just live a life of celibacy. Protestants look at that and just straight up laugh and go, that's the most ridiculous thing. They'll just say, we, look, we committed a sin. We can't do anything about it now. Now, what's bizarre is so you can have two people sitting in your church, divorced, remarried, and so therefore they're committing adultery. They don't get disciplined. Not a thing happens. They don't have to abstain. They can just engage in all the physical relations they want. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, three times a day. And they're good to go. That's a good, healthy marriage. However, two teenagers in the back, 17, going crazy for each other. They get caught committing premarital sex. They'll get disciplined in the very same church where you have people who are committing adultery doesn't get disciplined. If someone else who's married 
gets caught doing something, they'll be viewed as an adulterer. While the people who are divorced, remarried, who are committing adultery, not how does that even work? Like, how do you, the, what, what do you do with that? So the, the, because the thing is when sin occurs, there's these situations where everything gets messed up, where the Bible doesn't necessarily tell you, what are you supposed to do now? And a lot of, I have had people who are divorced and remarried going, what am I supposed to do now? Well, if we take it as as literal as we can, you, you're an adulterer. You can't you can't engage in, a, in physical activity. But then that puts both people in the marriage at great risk, according to First Corinthians. So how do you work all of that? There's these complexities. The the scriptures just say, "Don't do this, do this." So what some people do, they read, "Be submissive." Submit yourself unto your husband as unto the Lord. And they, and they see it in a very rigid way. Boom. There is, there is no gray. There's no black and white. Just submit. So even, even if you get hit, you submit. And it's like, wait, no, no, no. Now sin has entered into the situation. Sin is, uh, is at work. And when sin is at work, all the law can, and this goes back to the distinction between all the law can do is say, wrong, wrong, do this, do that. Don't do this. That's all it, that, that, that's, that's, all the, that's all the law can do. The law can't listen to any 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 other thing other than that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong, that's wrong. You're condemned, you're not condemned. That's all the law can do. And sometimes all we know what to do in these horrible situations is to apply law. We have to look at every situation and and we've got and, and the first thing we have to just think about is like protection, safety. I mean that, that's good, right? Love, compassion, understanding, listening, and then trying to navigate the, the complexities that sin brings into the situation. And the hope should always be, the hope should always be, is for repentance and restoration. That's what you want. But scripture just doesn't, it doesn't deal with, okay, now listen, okay, here's the rules, but here are the 47 steps you take once the rules are broken. Here's, here's what you do in this case. No, no, no. We don't have any of that. So it's just left up to fallible men, sinful men and sinful women to navigate the black and white laws and the black and white laws just sometimes just make no sense. I mean, just think about this. So, and, and, and I, I know people get mad at me, but, but just think about this. You have someone in your church, married, divorced, and remarried. So there's a very high probability, depending on the situation, that they would meet the biblical requirements of being an adulterer. But they're good to go. Two people walk into your church who are homosexuals. Immediately would say, you have to abstain. You can never have homosexual relationships again. You are a sinner. If you do that, you can't be a part of a church. You're probably not even saved but the adulterers are good to go. <laughs> it's, it's, you talk about subjective, it, it falls into the realm of like, it just becomes absurd. It just becomes utterly absurd how it works. It's just like anybody sitting there would be like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And look, and I know if you're the married, if you got, were married, divorced and got remarried, look, I understand you are in a great difficult situation and I don't have any easy answers. There are any, that's the point I want you. The point here is not to get into an argument about divorce and remarriage. The point is to show you that I don't care what the rule is. 
You in, you inject sin into the situation, and now you're left with like, well, what do we do now? Well, what's the well, what's the right thing to do here? Well, what about this? Well, wait a minute. What about this? Well, wait. You got this. Well, what about that? Well, wait. What about this? And every single time, a lot of those questions, there is no simple answer because the law will just be, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're condemned. You're wrong. You're condemned. We don't have any other help. Uh, the law is like, I have no other help for you at this time. I'm sorry. I, I don't have an answer to that question. I'm sorry. Can't answer that question. Please go back to the commandments. The commandments tell me that you're wrong. That's all I know is you're wrong. You're condemned. That's it. That's it. That's it. And so then we're left with a lot of like, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do here. So then we, I think that's where we have to just sometimes just take a step back and just look at it from the most practical way. Well, if a woman's being abused, safety first, provision next. There you go. Now, are you going to have a million things to work through? Yes, you do. You got a million things to work through. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have so many things to go. Well, what about this? And what about that? Oh, yeah. And you, there's no easy end. Just like if someone comes to me like, hey, I got divorced. I got remarried. So what am I supposed to do now? Because there's a good chance, at least biblically speaking, that I'm an adulterer. I, I, I don't have an easy answer for you. I don't have an easy answer for you. So then as a pastor, I'm like, well, then if someone decides to get a divorce in my church, can I church discipline someone who's going to get a divorce? If I got people sitting in my church who's been divorced and remarried, how can I discipline someone who's getting ready to get a divorce? If I got people sitting in my church who's been divorced and remarried. So like, so, so it, it's almost like sometimes in some church, the answer is, okay, oh, you want to get a divorce? Leave the church, get divorced, get remarried, then come back to the church and you're good to go. You don't even have to repent. Okay. You're good to go. Like, what, 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 how does that even work? So sometimes I don't know if there's easy answers. I don't think the law was ever meant to give us easy answers. So does the Bible tell the woman to submit? Absolutely. Absolutely. It does. Well, now sin gets involved in the marriage. Now we're going to come up with some difficulties. So what do we do? Well, she's being physically abused, sexually abused, or anything else. You get her out of the situation. Authorities have to be considered. Obviously, in some cases, you're legally required to contact the authorities. But the main thing is you protect her. Not by telling her, we'll talk to him, but getting her out of the situation. I know that the church sometimes believes that, oh, no, all we got to do is talk to the person. All we got to do is quote, a couple of scriptures, and everything will be better. Everything will be better because we quoted some scripture. All we got to do is pray a couple of times, and everything will be better. But the reality is, sin doesn't get better like that. Now, I know I just opened up like 500 cans of worms and it's going to make everyone mad. I hope you're trying to understand. I hope you understand my, everyone's going to focus on my specific things I mentioned and then have an opinion about that, but you're going to be missing. The, the bigger point is the law is just very like black and white, just yes or no. I mean, I think about it. Maybe this will work. Anyone who has kids, you have rules. They're black and white. 
You know you can't just parent off the black and... Well, I'm sorry. I don't... No, no. Don't want to hear it. You did wrong. Punishment. You did punish. I'm not going to listen to you. I'm not going to take anything into consideration. Nothing. Just, just... It's black or white. But, but mom, you don't know about... No, no. I don't listen to anything. I don't take anything into consideration. It's just punishment. You know sometimes you have to take the situation into consideration. Now, look, I think any anyone knows that, and I'm just using this from a parental standpoint, not as um, some clear biblical exegesis or biblical principle, but I think we've all seen when clearly a child is just straight up flaunting the rule, rebelling against the rule, or when the kid just doesn't seem to get it or not paying any attention is often you know, Neverland running around and they didn't even, they didn't even mean to, to do, there, there was nothing malicious. There was nothing rebellious in what they did. It was just oversight, forgetfulness, or they're off in another land and they're not paying any attention. I think, you know, okay, well, I got to take that into consideration. So you may take a different approach because once the, you've got the rule, wrong happens, the, the rules don't give you any insight and in how to handle it. So when the when Christians come along and say, well, hey, the Bible says be, be submissive, and then we start trying to figure out, here are the 15 steps you have to take, I think we're going beyond Scripture. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think, yeah, I think, I think we have, and why is it? And, and, and this will really, I'll end it with this, because... Whenever we talk about the see the, the discussion is about the woman has to submit. The woman has to submit. And I do understand. The Bible is uh, dogmatically clear that the wife has to submit herself unto her own husband as unto the Lord. I understand that. And that's straight up law. All right? That's straight up law. And, and the wives are going to fall short of that continually. But how come we always forget? See, that's Ephesians 5.22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Everyone quotes that. How come we, verse 21 doesn't get the same press? Ephesians 5, 21. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Someone, uh, so why, why, why does the mutual submission get thrown out? That just doesn't get the, nobody... I think if you're ever going to preach on the woman submitting to the husband, we have to first figure out what does mutual submission look like? Because we're supposed to submit ourselves to one another. What does that look like? Once again, the Bible doesn't explain it. Someone just said Christians, some, uh, that I think Christians throw out common sense too often. I think in some situations, some situations they do. I think in some situations, it would be hard to say that they don't. I don't want I don't want to stop talking about this because I feel like I need to keep talking to figure it out. I don't have I just I just I, that's I, I am become more and more convinced that the law is just dogmatic and rigid and when sin gets involved it gets complicated and messy. It gets ugly. It gets messy. Sometimes we don't even understand how God handles it. I mean, I don't know about you. D does it bother anyone? That the person who dies, okay, David has a man killed. He commits adultery, has the husband gone, killed, and the person who dies is a baby. 
Does that, does that not bother anybody? Not David doesn't die. No, no. He, he gets the woman. He gets the woman. The husband's gone. He's going to get multiple women. He's get, he gets the woman. Oh, and not only this, he gets to remain king. And not only that, he gets to write inspired scripture. The baby dies. What? What is that? What? How does that happen? Abra, Abram and Sarai come up with a great idea. Hey, you can use our we can you can use our slave Hagar that we got in Egypt. By all means, use her, produce a child. Hagar gets thrown out. Yes, God does intervene for her, but she gets thrown out of the situation. And what happens? To, does Abraham get punished for that? No, he gets more and more wealthy. Moses killed someone. Sometimes it makes absolutely no sense from a human perspective because sin is messy and ugly and horrible. It's horrible. And Christian marriages are not immune to these problems. There's abuse, there's verbal abuse, there's physical abuse, Horrible things happen in Christian marriages. It, the church wants to pretend that it, it doesn't, but it does. And sometimes all the church can offer people are, here's the list of rules. Now, if the rules are broken, we don't have a clue what to do. Except give you more rules. <laughs> Where does the gospel come into play in all of this? Where does common sense come into play in all of this? Where does mutual submission come into play in all of this? Where is the idea of protection and protect her and provide for her? Where, where is that? Other than just say, hey, you bring it to the church and we'll tell him stop doing it. He doesn't even mention that the church would get her out of the situation. Doesn't even mention that or provide for her. And what he should have said is, hey, this is how I would have answered the question. Look, I don't know who you are, and I don't know your situation. Instead of trying to figure out what you should do biblically, I'm not even going to answer that. I'm going to throw that. I don't even care about answering it biblically. You need to contact us immediately. And we at this ministry, because Piper's ministry has money, we will, you tell us where you are. We will do everything we can to get you out of that situation until we can figure out what's going on. Get help now. Get help. If you're being abused, call, contact us. Here's a number you can contact us. 24 7. If someone was, I would have said, here's my, if, if someone was to email me that, I would be like, here's my home phone number. Contact me 24 7. We've got to get you out of the situation. That's our first thought. Just, I don't, who cares about the theology? Let's get you out of the situation first. We'll worry about the theological answer later. Right? Now, my church has limited resources, but I still would make sure my church is willing to use whatever limited resources we can to try to help the person. Do whatever we can with what we have and then seek help from uh, uh, city, state, and federal uh, organizations that are there to help battered women because there's plenty of them. Sometimes the uh, 
See, see, sometimes we, we're over there trying to answer the theology. <laughs> we're over here trying to answer the theology. When you're dealing with a human being suffering, let, we'll get to the theology of the suffering later. Let's get to the practical, how do we alleviate the suffering now? It's like, oh, it's, it's almost like, hey, oh, you're starving? Well, let's talk about the theology of starvation. Why does the, why does the, why, what does my theology say about starvation and how does starvation fit with the sovereign plan of God? And so, oh, oh are you listening? Because I'm going really deep with the theology. No, sir, I'm starving. Shh, shh, shh. I'm giving you theology here, okay? But, but I may be dead in five minutes. I know you may be dead, but I'm feeding you the great theology of the sovereignty of God in suffering. How about feed the person? Right? Maybe? Is the church more worried about, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if I just stumbled onto a, a, maybe a, the, the real nature of this problem. Sin makes things complicated, and I don't have good answers. I don't have good answers. I don't have good answers. I don't. I can tell you, uh, what I can tell you is when sin occurs that it's wrong because the law says it is. Other than that, what what's the next steps? What do you do? The gospel has to come in there somehow. Now, I'm not saying the gospel should just immediately just ob- obliterate all, you know, like, what's your responsibility? But there's got to be forgiveness. There's got to be second chances. There's got to be res- restoration. There's got to be redemption. There has to be, Right? Maybe, hopefully, possibly, I don't know. All right, um, I'm going to stop. We're, we went 57 minutes. This is supposed to be about, I thought, I really thought it was going to be about 20 minutes. And then I, I had plans to do this and then get ready for church and then drive to the church. And then, but that all got messed up. I know it's a sensitive, sensitive subject. Please, I hope no one misunderstands anything that I have said and that I'm clearly acknowledging abuse is sin. I'm clearly saying the church's responsibility is to get the woman out of the situation and protect her. I'm clearly saying that sin messes up and that the law just gives very black and white rules and that there's a lot of difficult things that sometimes the Bible doesn't give us the answer. And sometimes we act like Job's friends, trying to figure out the theology of why Job is suffering instead of providing comfort to Job. Trying telling Job what he should and shouldn't do instead of bringing comfort to Job. If your friend is sitting there, kids are dead, everything is burned down, he's broke, and he's got horrible sores on his skin that he's scraping off, you know, uh, I think maybe he doesn't need a theology lesson. If a woman's being abused, she doesn't need a theology lesson. If a child is being abused, doesn't need a theology lesson. If someone's marriage has blown up, they don't necessarily need a theology lesson. And I, and I say that as someone who loves theology. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Let the disagreements begin now. Thanks for listening. God bless.